0: Welcome back to the 25th episode of the Sound the Foghorn podcast. As always, I am Mark DeLuki, and today I am very excited for the first time to come into you. This episode is brought to you by Danette May and Mindful Health LLC, featuring Danette May's top superfood product from Her Earth eco foods line. It's a cacao bliss. Nothing feels better than, you know, a rich, smooth, creamy chocolate and knowing it's something good for your body. They start with 100% organic cacao beans there and blend it with turmeric, some oils, coconuts, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon, black pepper, and come up with that perfect blend to make you feel the best you ever have while having some truly decadent, healthy, guilt-free chocolate it facilitates whatever it can help facilitate whatever your dietary goals are and most importantly it can boost your energy reduce your inflammation with one simple drink not only that it is paleo gluten-free keto vegan and vegetarian friendly so whatever your dietary restrictions are you probably can splurge a bit on earth eco foods for the last eight years they have been one of the leaders in the superfood market and we are proud to to have them uh, supporting us today for this episode. And because you are listening to the Sound of the Foghorn podcast today, they are offering a 15% off your next purchase with them at Earth Eco Foods. You can go online to EarthEcoFoods.com slash media. That's EarthEcoFoods.com slash media. And the promo code is Minute15. That's minute So make sure to check them out. Really appreciate them uh, supporting us on this episode. And just as exciting as that, the Giants still have the best record in the National League. And, you know, again, we're still early in the season. We're by no means drawing any big conclusions from it. But I mentioned last time we talked, the Giants were coming on a 12-game stretch where they played six games against the Colorado Rockies, six games against the San Diego Padres. Of course, the Padres, one of the favorites in the National League, one of the top rivals and top competition in the National League West. The Giants, of course, got off to this hot start and actually sit second place for a bit between the Dodgers and Padres, now have pulled themselves even with a little bit ahead of of the Dodgers in the national league West. This was a six, a 12 game stretch where the Rockies easily the worst team in the NL West. You know, if the giants could take advantage of those games, take care of business there and just handle themselves, even just a split with Colorado, but obviously an ideal situation. They, you know, take four out of those six, they could give themselves a good early season, four or five game cushion between them and one of their biggest division players. Rivals and the first part of this stretch, they went, they took two out of three from Col- from the Rockies in Colorado, but they fell, dropped two out of three against the Padres. So they're three and three in their last six games, and now they were supposed to schedule. I'm talking um, to you guys today on Monday uh, night, afternoonish, uh, no Monday night or I guess Tuesday morning, depending on where you are. Time zone-wise, this will be definitely up Tuesday morning. I'm sorry we've had a bit of a, de- we've had a, a delay. You know, again, we want to get this out twice a week. There's been some scheduling issues, and on top of that, uh, my neighbors have been having some construction projects, which has just made it really difficult to find a time to record this where you guys don't have to hear some, you know, saw action in the background. So, thankfully, we, we have a little reprise here uh, on Monday night, and so I'm taking advantage of it to talk to you about The Giants, so again, in the win-loss column, things are looking great. And what's weird is I don't think anyone, myself included, Giants fans, is particularly impressed with what the offense has been doing. I don't think anyone's particularly impressed with the bullpen. And again, we talk about how incredible the starting pitching was to start the season has continued... To this stretch, but it's so peculiar to have a team. You know, it's been some time since I've followed a team so closely that has bucked expectations so severely, so early in the season, in a in a positive way, but not doing it in the way even the biggest fans expected and again I don't know what to make of this because again like Alex Wood and Anthony D. Sclafani and Aaron Sanchez Kevin Gaussman you know Johnny Cueto have all been really good big league pitchers at various points they've all been really good starters at various points but of that group Gauss was the only one who was good in 2020 of that group Gaussman and Di Sclafani were the only ones in that group who were good in 2019 so far, they've gotten great performances from all five of those players, and of course, Cueto on the injured list still. Um, while Logan Webb uh, has stepped up in his place, a young prospect who's you know done admirably um, in in place of him. But what does this team look like when the starting pitching is no longer performing like it is? Again, this isn't a case of you know we may. Uh, I think it's fair to say many of us underestimated the quality of the starting pitching no doubt about it but right now Kevin Galsman is a 2-0 4 ERA Anthony DiSconfoni 2-0 Aaron Sanchez excuse me, 2.22, Alex Wood, 1.50, Johnny Cueto, 1.80, Logan Webb with a 4.13 ERA has the highest ERA of the starting rotation, and he he is the only player with an ERA above 2.04. I mean, no matter what, no matter how good you may think these starting pitchers are, and again, I'm inclined to believe that I think a lot of the success is somewhat... Sustainable. Let's look at their FIPs, their fielding independent pitching, which tends to be a good marker for pitcher regression. Kevin Gausman, three point two. Sclafani, three point one. Webb, three point nine. Aaron Sanchez, three point five. Actually, Alex Wood at two point one. Of course, Cueto, one point nine. But you know, even if they hold up, you know, even as good as they've pitched, most markers say they've still been a bit lucky. Now they've still been solid. They've still been good. But when the regression comes, when the regression hits what is this team going to look like? And I still don't really know if I have an answer. Because again, I looked to the offense early on as that was going to be a deep unit. It was going to be strong. And that even hasn't really been the case. Brandon Belt hitting 200, you know, 730 OPS. Brandon Crawford, he I think has a sub 700 OPS and is hitting around the Mendoza line. Alex Dickerson, Austin Slater, Tommy Lastella, Wilmer Flores, Mauricio Dubon. Kurt Casali, all players who were expected to be positive contributors offensively and still could be, all with OPSs below 700. In fact, I think most of those, if not all of those players have OPSs right now below 650. It's been an offense that's actually been carried by two stars in particular, and that's been Buster Posey and Evan Longoria. Posey, of course, who wasn't on the team last season, and Evan Longoria, who, of the veterans, had the least exceptional year in the traditional counting stats. Now, I wrote about last year why I thought Evan Longoria was actually having a breakout year. You saw it in the exit velocities, the launch angles, the strikeout rates, and I thought he was just suffering from some bad luck, and I think we've seen some of that regress early in the season in a positive way, but Again, even Donovan Solano, before he hits the injured list while he's hitting 300, is only slugging 380. This offense has not been particularly deep. It has not been particularly strong. And, you know, then we look to the bullpen, a unit that I said I thought was going to be, again, a similar thing. I thought it would be deep. I didn't think there would be a dominant arm. Jake McGee looked dominant to start the year. He's looked shaky in his outings and really been prone to the home run ball, and that could be a reason for a concern. It hasn't quite hurt the Giants to the level it could have yet but you know he's been solid in the ninth inning Tyler Rogers has been fantastic even though his strikeouts are down and he's getting used a lot by Gabe Kapler earlier in the season early in the season but outside of them Matt Whistler's ERA is 10 you know uh, Camilo Doval and Gregory Santos both got call up Santos already optioned back because you know he gave up three homers in just three appearances. Camilo Duval I think is sticking around for the long haul, but he's been far from dominant in his total outings. Caleb Berger has been solid. Juan um, Jose Alvarez has been solid. But, you know, this whole roster has just inverted my expectations at almost every at nearly every step. And so I'm now kind of left in this space of uncertainty about you know, I still think this is a solid offense. I still think this is a solid bullpen, both carried by depth, not star power. I don't know what to make of this rotation because I had confidence in Kevin Gossman. I figured one or two of the other players, whether that be Wood, Quaid, or Di Sclafani, or Sanchez, would hit. You know, or Webb would take the next step in his development but right now they've all hit and and I don't know what this team looks like if one of or two or three of them falter and I don't look I don't know what this team looks like especially when we incorporate the recent injury problems and and that's been something you we know, we mentioned a bunch of the veterans have been banged up belt while he started the year on the opening day roster was dealing with multiple illnesses throughout the offseason had bone spur surgery so his slow start in some ways you could argue was to be expected but now Donovan Solano's landed on the injured list Mikey strebsky of course landed on the injured list last week and now it appears Tommy Lastello, the offseason addition is heading to the injured list of his own on on his own accord after um Sunday's game and so now we're seeing the depth get tested on the offensive side. I'm curious to see how the Giants handle this. Solano and Lestella, of course, are both the, were the two best options at second base. And now the team, you're left with Wilmer Flores, who can play second, although he struggled defensively, is much better against left-handed uh, pitching than right-handed pitching. And it seems obvious that off-season acquisition, Jason Vossler, a left-handed hitting player capable of playing second base, is the perfect, this is the perfect chance to call him up, let him platoon, opposite of Flores you if they want a more glove uh first option tyro Estrada someone they recently acquired from the New York Mets for cash not too long ago he's more of a shortstop than a thir- uh, a second baseman but you know he could play at second he's more of a softer hitting option though and I'm excited just to, to see a player like Vosler I-, I think most likely possibly Estrada get this playing time get this opportunity but again I think this is a level of Uh, we're going to see them rely on these players in what looks like a higher stress environment than I think many of us and myself, again, my, I'm, I, I expected, right. I thought this giants team, if things fell together, right, could be a 82 to 85 win team at the top end. And, you know, again, we're early in the season. That very well may be where this ends up, but they're on their, they have their hardest start, their best record and through the first however many games of the season, they played 28 thus far. Um, at, at their at their peak, they they played uh, the best start since 2003, before the three World Series years. And so a team that, while obviously every team is aiming for the playoffs, aiming for a contention, that didn't necessarily have that direct uh, thought in the back of your mind, right? Everyone early in the season is playing for the playoffs, but not necessarily thinking about it. The second you begin over-exceeding, Uh, exceeding over exceeding exceeding expectations you know those expectations adjust for yourself those expectations adjust for you know the people watching you and players feel that and we're going to see you know not only is now Vossler likely well positioned to get an extended look at the big league level he's going to get an extended look in some high pressure situations some games where no one thinks the Giants are going to stick with the Dodgers and the Padres again I'm not I don't think the Do- the Giants are well positioned to stick with the Dodgers and the Padres. But that means every loss is going to feel a lot heavier, especially in this upcoming three-game series. Again, they're going to play three games the next two days against Colorado, and then another three games against San Diego, especially against the Padres. And Voster's also in a situation where he's likely to be, well, actually, it'll be interesting how Kapler handles this, right? Flores, of course, has had his struggles defensively. Vossler, though, not a natural second baseman. He's learned that position, it seems like, over the last few seasons. Does he trust Vossler as the late game defensive substitution for Flores? And he might end up, you know, if there's, you know, we know the way Kapler uses pinch hitters, Vossler may pinch hit for Flores when the bullpen brings a righty in anyway. So it's irrelevant, but. You know, there's going to be some high-pressure defensive situations and potentially whether it's because of a shift, whether it's because it's second base, that he positions that he hasn't necessarily played a lot of. How's his bat um, going to look in a more extended look? I'm excited to watch it from the analyst perspective, from, you know, the, the prospect fan in me. But I have to admit, it's a lot easier to be excited about that, a lot easier to say we need to promote all these young guys When you're a team that's, you know, even if you're about 500 or above 500, not uh, exceeding expectations, not feeling like, right, if the Giants were going to win the division, which again, I don't think anyone has dreams of doing right now outside of the organization, but if they're going to win the division, they need to build a huge lead early because again, there's no... It does not seem like the Dodgers or Padres are going to have uh, are are going to go this whole year without an incredibly hot stretch of play where they're going to catch up to the Giants if indeed they are able to maintain stay ahead now. The one thing is, you know, the Giants are the only team getting hit with the injury bug. It's happening around the league, and I'm not sure whether it's more than usual, but, you know, we we go through this every year early in the season. Guys are pulling hammies or quads, you know, and pitchers are, you know, blowing out their arms, having major surgeries. The Dodgers did get hit with a pretty major injury today. Dustin May is going to get season-ending surgery. Looks like Tommy John is the diagnosis. That's one of their bigger arms. Now, again, they have incredible depth in the rotation that the Giants, you know, don't have the same flexibility. But if you're trying to tell yourself, how can the Giants, even if I believe the Giants are an inferior or have less talent than the Dodgers and Padres, what do I think has to happen for them to win, to make the playoffs, you know, to finish with the second best record or even win the division in the National League West? You know, it comes down to a lot of luck, right? It comes down to, The pitching staff getting a bit lucky, getting off to this hot start, and then you hope there's a cumulative effect of just injuries and bad luck that hamper the Padres, who, of course, right, don't have Mike Clevenger this year after an injury. Denelson Lamette has seemed to, has not, I believe, made, uh, he's still on the IL dealing with something. If that were to continue, you know, Fernando Tatis, of course, had his shoulder issue earlier in the season. Like, it's hard to envision a healthy Padres, a healthy Dodgers, you know, not finishing in first. And second place in the NL West. But again, there's no such thing as a season without injuries. It's a part of the sport. And some teams, you know, you look at almost every season, the teams that get that win the divisions are often also the healthiest teams. And that's something that the Giants, while they've been hit by injuries in a number of places, I mentioned Solano and Yastrzemski and Cueto. And as I mentioned, La Stella is heading there as well. They've yet to have something that's season-ending. Even Solano, who seems to have had the most severe injury thus far and still probably a few weeks away, should be back and looks on place to you know play over half the season, maybe even eclipse 100 games. And so, you know, so far, so good on the health side of things. And now they just need to take advantage of that when they're on the field. The pitching staff is doing it. The offense is hit and miss. Again, Buster Posey, I'm just going to take a moment. 18 games played. 6 home runs, 6 walks, 12 strikeouts. He's hitting 3.59 with a 423 on base and a 688 slugging percentage. Just enjoy Buster Posey, guys. I mean there's I, I know I don't need to tell you that. I'm telling you guys to tell myself in a lot of ways, but and he's playing as good as he has since at least 2017 and and, and frankly, you could make an argument really since the last time he was a legitimate MVP contender, which is probably more around 2015, 2014, even all the way back to 2012 when he indeed did win the most valuable player award. It's the power that he's showing at 34 years old. He's turning on pitches we haven't seen him turn on. You know, He hits a home run to away center field. This is a Buster Posey with the real kind of power that made him a game-changing generational bat as a young catcher, as a young player when he first comes up with the team. And it's just so fun to watch, not only watch him work with the pitching staff, not only watch him work behind the plate, but, you know, see him hit in a way we haven't seen in some time. Again, StatCast data we don't have prior to 2015. But in that time frame... This season, it won't shock to anyone, since 2015, he has never averaged an exit velocity that is higher than it is this season, never barreled the ball at as high a rate as he has this season, never hit the ball on the sweet spot, or in the sweet spot, which in StatCast is a combination of exit velocity and launch angle as much as he has this season. And even if he regresses, it's hard to argue that Buster Posey isn't one of the three best catchers in baseball right now, which is incredible, right? He's thirty-four years old. He was out of that conversation. You know, he'd been passed by J.T. Realmuto, uh, one of his peers. Yadier Molina had looked to be aging far better than than Posey. But you know, you have like Yasmani Grandal. But Posey has had this resurgence, had this renaissance. And it'll be interesting to see how that plays out on the, on the team personnel end. Again, there's not too much to dive into. We know Joey Bart is there. We know he made his big league debut last season, and we know he's going to be back at AAA. He had a great spring training. Bart will probably play well at AAA. We expect to at the Pacific Coast League with the Sacramento Rivercats. But Posey is playing well enough where is Farhan Zaidi willing to let him go in free agency? You know, if he was just playing like a league average catcher, maybe even a little above average, but this is elite. This is all-star caliber play. And I'm curious, you know, again, this is a question for far down the road, but I'm curious to see how this plays out. Because this is sort of the first time with Zaidi where where we have a Giants player that has the history like Bumgarner did, but potentially could be performing like he's at his peak, even though he's 34 years old, right? Bumgarner, as good as he was in 2019, you know, was far from the Bumgarner we'd seen in 2016 or 2014 was far from the Bumgarner that fans had fallen in love with. And, you know, you'd seen his velocity dip. There were reasons to be concerned about giving him a long-term deal. Posey, obviously with his age, there'd be reasons to be concerned about giving him a long-term deal. You have Joey Bart in waiting, but, If Posey plays well enough, it's hard to envision, you know, if you want to be competitive next year, it's going to be really hard to convince fans that your best option is replacing Buster Posey with, you know, a young, even if Bart has a good 2021, even if he gets called up in July and plays well, a relatively unproven player in Joey Bart. I think Posey is hitting well enough. Well, remember Brandon Belt's a free agent. At the end of the season, does Posey play well enough where maybe Zaidi is willing to bring Posey back and pair Posey and Joey Bart behind the plate, let Posey play some first base? I wonder if that could be where this is heading in Zaidi's dream scenario. But we're going to take a quick break. Actually, we're already at 21 minutes. I like to keep these to half an hour since we're going to be doing these twice a week. I'll just go right into it. The last thing I want to talk about, I want to give a bit more detail to, is obviously the recent addition. They acquire Mike Talkman in a trade from the New York Yankees. They trade Wandy Peralta, and anyone who follows me on Twitter, on social media, or has seen my writing knows I'm a big fan of Wandy um, I, th- I think he's someone who his numbers have always been a bit deceiving. I think he's always had better stuff and even better command than many might think from looking at Excuse me. Uh, um, his numbers. I think he has uh, a a solid fastball and two above average off speed pitches. I, you know, I think he struggled with inconsistencies. There's no doubt about it. But I I do like the trade for both teams. I like it for the Yankees. Talkman was on the an odd man out in the depth chart, struggling to find playing time. You know, he he was not gonna you know play along instead of an Aaron Judge, right? You know, they have the bats. They have the premium outfield depth. And they you know they get another solid lefty with team control in Peralta the Giants on the other hand get a left-handed bat that can be a legitimate platoon for either Mauricio Dubon or D- Dubon or Austin Slater two right-handed bats who've struggled a lot against right-handed pitching this season and throughout their careers talkman doesn't have many split much splits throughout his career but he's a left-handed hitter he is a great defender. He really fills the role, honestly, that the Giants, I think, have hoped Stephen Duggar could come to fill. He works counts. He strikes out a bit, but he's working long at bats. He's hit for some power at times, but most importantly, over his career, he has 509 plate appearances, split over five seasons. He's slugging 417. He's hitting 252, but his on-base percentage is 341 because he walks. He's given you, you know, league average offense about, And above average defense at right field, center field, and left field. That's what I thought Duger could be. And, you know, Duger's obviously struggled. He's still on the 40 man roster, still in the fray. But I think you know getting Mike Talkman is a huge upgrade for, for the team in terms of depth in the outfield, and also I think gives them the flexibility now to designate Duggar for assignment if they want to call up a Dominique Leone for the bullpen, if they need to call up a Tyra Estrada or another infielder because there's another injury, or that's who they think is the best option. Um, you know it, to deal with La Stella's injury, or if another injury comes down the line, or of course we'll see. Again, Mike Yastrzemski on the injured list. It's not suspect, expected that it'll be a prolonged absence, but if there were a prolonged injury to Austin Slater or Mike Yastrzemski, that if you want to talk about getting Elliot Ramos, top prospect Elliot Ramos up to the big league roster, you know, that might take a desi- that take a 40-man roster spot, and that could easily um, be duggers. But the one thing I, I thought that was interesting, I dove a bit into Tauchman, and I might do a, a deeper in in-depth piece this week if, if I have the time but you know I, Yankees fans were saying that he just struggles with the fastball that that's the thing is he's a good defender he works counts puts the ball in place sometimes but really just struggles especially with high velocity and I want to dive into that what I will say though is that by pitch group, that actually hasn't been the case. And the Giants, of course, talcum's made a great first impression through four games. He's hitting 313. He's got a home, a big three-run home run, of course, in Sunday's 7-1 victory uh, against uh, Colorado, or excuse me, San Diego. Sorry, I'm mixing up my division rivals now. But, uh, you know, that's not his career numbers, like I mentioned, 250, 340, 420 about. But if, if you look at over the past four seasons, I'm going to read you his... Whiff rate, you know, the percentage of times he swings and misses against pitches. This season, he's swung and missed 31% of the time against the fastball. It's been 35% against breaking pitches. Last season, 25% swing and miss rate against fastball, 53% against breaking balls. 2019, 21% against fastballs, 25% against breaking balls. 2018, same story. 31% swing and miss rate against fastballs versus a 67% whiff rate against breaking balls. Um, Now, I want to, again, go more in depth. I want to look at this in terms of velocity. Obviously, there's a big difference between 95-mile-an-hour fastballs and, you know, 90-mile-an-hour fastballs and 98-mile-per-hour fastballs. But it seems like the, the, the issue has actually not been whether he you know, can hit Fastballs, it seems like his struggles have actually come against chasing breaking balls or just, you know, timing the fastball. Now, again, I think that's interesting to watch is could he be more prone to these breaking balls because he struggles with velocity, right? Anyone knows, anyone who's ever hit, even at a low level, if you've been, fa- if you're facing breaking stuff, but you are struggling to pick up and, and square up the velocity, you're going to be speeding up your bat, trying to get ready for that fastball, which makes you more prone to a changeup or a curveball or a slider. So, you know, could that be part of what's happening here? But I'm very curious to see, because the things I heard Yankees fans say about Tauchman, um, you know, and people I trust, again, I'm not saying these are, you know, trolls mouthing off as they struggle with velocity, you know, soft contact, kind of worked count sometimes to frustration, kind of like what we've seen with Duggar, where, you know, you'd work a, you know, take a strike three call after a five pitch at bat in a big situation where you need him to put the ball in play. But I'm looking at, you know, I've looked at the StatCast data, career exit velocity, you know, 87.2. That's right around league average. Career launch angle, 10.1. That's right around league average. His fastball whiff rates, as I mentioned, are not worse than his ones against breaking balls. And so I'm very curious to see if, you know, Zaidi mentions after the trade. That Talcman's someone he's wanted since he arrived in San Francisco, and I understand why. He's the exact player he's targeted in the outfield. He and Mike Issey are not dissimilar. They're, you know, he's a thirty-year-old, excuse me, uh, you know, thirty-year-old outfielder who's done well in the minor leagues. Not too much exceptionally, has had solid power, not great power, but plays good defense, works good counts, and seems to be an all-around well. Uh, a well-rounded player and the question is whether he has enough oomph in his bat to you know stick in the big leagues to be more than a fourth or fifth outfielder now, again, I think as a fourth or fifth outfielder, he's still a great fit for the Giants, but I am very curious to see, you know, over these next few weeks, especially with Yastrzemski still on the DL, with now Lestella on the IL, that could force, you know, Dubon to shortstop, Dubon to the infield more, which opens up more playing time in the outfield for someone like Tauquin. I'm very curious to see what we have in Tauquin, because again, if he's a solid fourth or fifth outfielder, that's great. That's still a useful piece going forward. But I'm curious to see. If uh, Zaini might have something more, some visions that he can be something even more than that with um, some improvement, some development, and maybe just an extended chance, an extended look at the big league level. So we're reaching about the half hour mark here. Again, this has been another episode of the Sound, the Foghorn podcast. As always, for all the latest Giants news and rumors and speculation, by the way, sneak peek, you're listening to this on Tuesday morning we have a great piece it's national star wars day our own nick san miguel took a look at the various uh some giants people in the giants organization which star wars characters there'll be check that out but for your more standard minor league season starting this week i'm gonna be writing about that major league season of course will continue going strong going over to around the foghorn.com you can follow us on twitter at round the foghorn and of course follow us on Facebook. I am your host, Mark DeLuke. You can follow me on Twitter at Mad MadDeLuke. That is M-A-D-D-E-L-U-C-C-H-I. And we will be back again. Our schedule's kind of off because of uh, the med- issues I mentioned before us, but we'll try to be back over the next couple of days, if not at least by, uh, on Sunday. We'll be back here. This has been the 25th episode of Sound the Foghorn. As always, stay safe, and until next time, have a wonderful week.